Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the 21st episode of Cult Following from the people who bring you Cult Classics AZ every month in lovely Tempe, Arizona. I'm one of your three hosts for this special, special edition. I'm Victor Marino, along with Adam Rutkowski. Hello! And Kirby Nelson. And on this edition, we're just going to be talking movies because it's been a few weeks since our uh, last recording and uh, we got a lot to, you know, get off our chests and spew out exorcist style all over you guys. So, uh, Kirby... What are uh, some things that you have been uh, watching of late? Well, you first, really want me to go first? First with the of all, of stuff I have, but <laughs> first, oh no, Adam, oh wait, a special Adam. announcement. Oh. Adam has a special announcement. Well, no, first I want to I want to go around. Well, it probably not so much Kirby, but uh, why are we late with our podcast? Uh, there's a couple different reasons. Uh, there's a few different reasons. I think we've just been like really busy of late, traveling and all that stuff. And, you know, I think for the most part, um, you know, life oh, gets I was in the sick. way. You want to hear about my oh, sickness? Oh, yeah. Adam was sick, y'all. So, I've had the worst couple months in quite a while. Oh, yeah? My back went out. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yep. So, I missed one of the cult classics because of that. Uh, let's see. Well, then what happened? Then I got that terrible coughing upper respiratory thing that just knocked me out for at least like a week and a half. Still getting over the cough. Mm-hmm. It's kind of lingering, but at least it's not the spastic, like, you know, just debilitating coughing. And then I got a lower intestinal infection. Oh, my God. Uh, where I thought I was going to die. That's like a trifecta of terrible. Uh, it was on the left lower side. Luckily, it wasn't on the right because that could have been appendicitis, uh, pancreatic, you know, blah, 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 blah. That's where all, like, all the, like, you know, crazy organs are. Mm-hmm. Uh, went to urgent care, got some antibiotic, and... Uh, been doing that for seven days the pills were terrible oh Just yeah no i incapacitating I've, I've had to take that stuff and then the worst is you have to take the probiotics afterwards and right. i just don't like how that i don't like yogurt i don't like um that afghan drink they tell you to drink it's like oh uh, yeah i know what you're talking about. yeah so seriously the probiotics terrible terrible and then the sumatran rat monkey bit you yes but i'm i'm much better now mm-hmm <laughs> well, that's the important thing that, that we're all better, yeah. ready to get back up on the horse again. And then I don't because I, I I feel like I've neglected this in the past, but we have had people who have left comments on our SoundCloud. Really? So really? Um, what are these comments? We we get you know friends now and again, or friend requests, or likes, or whatever. However, you know it's kind of not too different from other social media with SoundCloud. So it's on like our SoundCloud it, page at Cult Following. Remember, you can also follow us on iTunes at Cult Following. Right. Give us a review to get our rates up. Yeah. So are these quality comments, or are we talking like YouTube here? No, like, no, no. I mean, these are these, but these are like people we know or people oh, who have well, like, discovered cool. us. I was um, kind of. I mean, I just want to make sure it's not like six pages that you fucking suck, bro. Yeah. No, no, no. It's not like that. Um, well, it could be. There it are some be. like spam okay. things like that, but it's it's really not that bad. Review Transformers: Age of the Fallen, yo. So or that, yes, <laughs> that's the other side. Username is Godzilla. This uh-huh. is Mike Bell. Does that ring a bell? Oh, yeah. I think he comes to some so of our So he comes screenings. to the cult yeah, classic yeah, yeah. screenings because I always make the, the shirt labels for him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I recognize the name. Uh, he makes a comment on you, Kirby. Kirby. 
something that you mentioned the last podcast, a movie called Devil. Oh, the M. Night Shyamalan movie in an elevator. Yes. We did talk uh, about it when we were talking about The Visit. So, Mike Bell said, Devil is a great movie. I think it'll be rediscovered in the future. Probably use it as a teaching aid hundreds of years from now. Mm, interesting. It so, is, thank you, it is an underrated movie. I think, uh, I don't know if I shared the story about uh, San Diego Comic-Con, where uh, I'd gone to San Diego Comic-Con 2010, where they debuted the trailer for Devil. And this was at the height of M. Night Shyamalan backlash. So the trailer comes on, people are watching it, and then as soon as it says an M. Night Shyamalan film, everyone's like, oh, like an audible sigh. And then, you know, at the end of the trailer, it's like, the twist is it's really a staircase, that kind of stuff. (laughs) I just remember, that was definitely when it became, though, like, uh, I don't remember how, but like the promotional materials for that, the advertising was like, it wasn't like an M. Night Shyamalan joint. It was like more something like from The Man Who Brought You the Sixth Sense or yeah. something like that. Like they totally played it down, like his name and I think even his involvement. Well, yeah, because I think this was like after the the trifecta of like uh, The Village, Lady in the Water, Water. and The Happening. Yes. So it, it was, was kind of like 2010? Yeah. Yeah. So it was like, yeah, box office death at that point. Hmm. But I can't even remember. Was that even his? Was he just the writer on that? No, that was his it? film. I can never remember on yeah. that one. Yeah, but I definitely remember them the. The only it one down. I think he did where he was just directing and had no involvement was After Earth. The oh, Will and Smith uh, movie. did he actually write Last Airbender? I mean, yes. from the source material. I can yeah, I think we talked about that last yeah. time. How he's actually very proud of that. Proud movie. of that one. Yeah. Yeah. So M Night Shyamalan created the story. Um, Brian Nelson did the screenplay. Okay. But that was his involvement. With and who Devil. directed? Uh, John Eric. Yeah. See, I knew I was right. Oh, okay. That it wasn't actually him directing. And it was because of that backlash that they accepted his script or his idea, but not his actual yeah. involvement. Because I think, I, I really do think the happening was the nail in his coffin. Oh, yeah. It's a terrible, like, terrible. Because, I mean, it was, I think, honestly, it's. I've seen movies with a similar plot. I mean, like, you know, Maximo, like, you know, where the... Something comes alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, a lot of it was just because uh, Mark Wahlberg and Zoe Deschanel were so terrible in that movie. Anyhow. She's going to be in Transformers 5, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Another Megan Fox replacement. Jesus. Yeah. So, any more comments? Any more? Oh, no, just from the last few, no. But I, I'm I'm gonna keep more on top of that because I know we've had other ones from our buddies out in uh, Cal- some in California. Oh uh, yeah, well please comment, please uh, send us messages, mail. We always want to hear from people and hear your ideas and comments and interaction. Yeah, and give us a review on iTunes because really that helps us out out a lot in the popularity ratings. Just subscribe, rate us. You know, the more stars, the better. <coughs> you know, we're not gonna force it down on you, but it's good to do. Uh, so yeah, now that we have that uh, segue, I guess we should hop back on the saddle. Who wants to get started? I got a lot. I mean, I can go first if you want, or who I know Adam's got quite a bit. Um, I don't have that much. Why don't you actually. go first on right. this one here? Um, so a few things I've seen lately. Uh, I saw the movie Cooties. From, As did I. Yeah, from SpectreVision. Um, this is a Elijah Woods label. And um, it's a really interesting movie about uh, what happens when uh, 
Cooties. Cooties. Basically, it's like a zombie movie, but with children because they eat an infected chicken nugget, which you get in the first 30 seconds of the and movie. And if that first 30 seconds of the movie doesn't turn you into a it, vegan, nothing. Oh, will. it is done very deliberately down in like, if you, if you ever saw the Jamie Oliver so food revolution, it even shows them disgusting. making pink, pink slime, you know? So yeah, it's a pretty gross set. It didn't help that we were eating while we were watching this. So I was kind of just saying, look away, look away, you know, but uh, overall, it's a really interesting movie. I would say it's a lot like uh, latter day Elijah Wood. His character is very similar to the character he plays in Wilfred. Mm -hmm. He's kind of like a weirdo F up, fuck up. we, We curse on here. You know, At least and, I do. Yeah, so. and then uh, the the rest of the cast is really interesting. Allison Pill, who you might remember, she played Kim the drummer in Scott Pilgrim versus the World, and she had a right. fun little cameo in Snowpiercer as the uh, teacher who who uh, with the singing kids who pulls out the Uzi. Um, Rain Wilson has a re- nice part as this uh, as her boyfriend, who's kind of like this uh, jock. Uh, you know the the, the stereotypical the gym teacher. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And um, uh, Lee Wanell is like hilarious in this movie. And if you don't know who Lee Wanell is, he he uh was one of the co-directors of Saw, and uh, now he's apparently a comedic actor. If you see this the shot the the Saw short film, he's Carrie Elwes in that. Yeah, yeah. he's he's a uh, wrote Saw actually, and then he's also doing um. He's now taking the helm over for uh, Insidious. Oh, the third one is actually Lee Wanell. Oh yeah, doing it. Yeah, but I will say, like, I saw him on there, and I was like, okay, interesting, because I wasn't familiar with him as an actor, and he's like hilarious in this movie. Yeah, he's been doing a lot more comedy. So so funny. Um, and Nassim Pedrad from SNL and Scream Queens, which we'll probably talk about, right. is also in this, and she's also very funny in this. Um, and one more person who I, like, I, you know, I mentioned this when I found it out yesterday, um, but it was kind of awesome. There is an Asian janitor in this movie who has, who turns pretty badass near the end. And, uh, it, he's played by Peter Kwong, who was Rain in Big Trouble in Little China. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. So that's kind of awesome. Oh, sweet. I was hoping they got the Asian janitor from Ginger Snaps. Yeah. Gotta do what we can. So I saw it. Uh huh. You said it was interesting. Yeah. Um, oh, but so I think one of the big, the I, big here, things. Here's that's what I'll say. I'll, I'll say. Uh, I don't want to cut you off. Go on. Oh no, I just want to do like a, a plot device because what the big plot device is because why these kids only get the cooties or why did they consider it cooties? Oh, is because right, right, anybody right. that has like gone through pubescent, pubescent, yeah. that's the only people who are viable for these cooties. Otherwise, you're just meat yes. for them, and yeah, they'll just eat you alive. Um, but when, then what were you going to say? Um, my my take on it is, uh, I think it might have been better if it was, about it. I feel like it would have been better if it was a shorter movie, like a short film. Um, it seems like it's set up to do like a whole land of the deadish type franchise mm-hmm. um trying to think what else um yeah that's pretty much my take on it yeah, so this is the way this is how i walked away from it uh-huh i mean i watched it on on vod so i yeah, didn't so necessarily did I. really walk away i just kind of changed the channel yeah uh th- that 
if this movie had a completely different cast, uh-huh. like an unknown cast, yeah. and I'm going to probably get into the next one that you're going to mention, which is uh, Deathgasm. Okay. Unknown cast. Yeah. Funny movie. Yeah. Um, interesting, you know, devices that they used in that movie. Uh-huh. Cooties felt very redundant to me and very derivative and just kind of run of the mill. That's, yeah, that's basically what I was saying. So yeah. the only thing that made it even slightly interesting for me was the cast because they're recognizable. Mm-hmm. You think the tone of the film would be completely different if it was an unknown cast? Would it, do you think it would make it better or worse? Uh, I think it would probably make it better because the one I got who's the most memorable to me was, that, like I said, Lee wan who's someone I didn't really recognize. Mm-hmm. And his character uh, seemed odd, and I kind of liked that. But see, I think the movie like tried to play on the strengths of, hey, we got like you know. Oh a yeah, no. Solid, Rain Wilson is playing Rain cast. Wilson. Elijah Wood is playing Elijah. It, it's it's playing to the people who's in right. it. Yeah. But then the, the just the 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 story itself just yeah. A lot of it is them it. riffing. That's this is what I mean that it could have been better as a short. Yeah. Because there's huge stretches where they're just in a room riffing. Right. And it's like what you see on the uh, anything you'd see these people on. It's like you know, Rain Wilson's a comedian. Elijah Wood is basically a comedic actor. Mm-hmm. And they see, they're all comedic actors, so they put them alone in a room for big stretches of time. Right. You it know? just uh, to me, it so just it has so much potential. For, it's yeah, I like the idea. Like it could have been a serious kind of more or taking a different way, but you kind of. It's like, to me, this movie was like when you watch a Seth Rogen, like, this is the end or something. Right. It's like, oh, this is a cool premise, um, but it's really an excuse for us to hang out because we're friends. Pretty much, yeah. 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 I mean, worth worth checking out. Yeah. Oh, no, it's good. And, like, I, I like the effects. There's some cool little setups that happen, like, when the kids get, you know, they're waiting for the parents to come pick up the kids from school, and that's a nice little... Right. Yeah. It has its moments. Yeah, it has setups that are cool. But it cool. just needs to pick it up a little but, bit. But, yeah, I do think the ending was, like, really predictable and, like, uh, you know. Right. That's the Yeah, whole. I've been dying to watch it. I'll probably check it out this week. Um I'm just trying to get through so much other stuff, but I will. I will say the two things besides the casting that I noticed, which was good, was um, I I love um, people who know me know I love killer kid movies uh-huh. or movies about killing kids, which makes me sound even more horrible than I actually am. Although I'm pretty awful, but it really is. I just think it's probably one in like, especially in the horror genre, is just like the most like verboten thing like you really you're not in films or in literature and stuff and i know it's not the same thing because this is much more of a horror comedy it's it is and that's like i was trying to look at because i know you like those kind of movies and it was just like they don't really have any visceral kid deaths like you know that there's a part where they're trying to clear the room and they like they're shooting them with like a with a tennis ball gun right yeah yeah, see, because I always wonder if, because I know this film has been around for a while. I always wonder if, I mean, it was, I believe, made after Sandy Hook. But I always mm. wonder if there was some, like, reticence on behalf of the studios or anybody involvement with releasing on those. Because it's definitely happened to a few uh, films. Yeah, it's oh, yeah, just it's school shootings. Or, you're never going to get a big release of the school shooting movie. Yeah. Even so, though there's no real shooting in this movie. Yeah, but still. I, I Yeah, I had heard that as disappointing. But it's funny that you mentioned the thing about the length of the film. Because that's one thing I will say that films now 
seem to be having more of a problem with and i think it's because you know there's no cost to the film generally you know because there's no film stock and a lot of the associated costs in like the 70s and 80s when a lot of like horror and stuff was being pumped out pretty frequently i mean you still made money but the big part is is that now you can i mean you really films need to go on the charlie band old school empire scale where they're like 71 to 82 minutes because most of these stories, you really need to start yeah. trimming the fat because it's just superfluous. Like, what, what's the point here? Well, it goes to the whole thing I was saying before. It's like, because digital is here, it's so e- anyone can make a movie. And then, like, when I'm looking for trailers on VOD, I'll only, I'll watch a trailer and if I'm, it doesn't hook me in the first five seconds or if it looks really cheap, I'll just, like, skip it. You know, like, I was watching a trailer for this movie called Rose that sounded, from the description, like, interesting. And then I'm watching the trailer, I'm like, nope that looks too cheap like there's no lighting nothing it's just natural light mm-hmm. another one it was like june it was another sort of possessed kid kind of thing and i like that one on my like it looks like kind of cheap but at least there's good editing you know so i might watch that yeah i just think i agree with you on that though I, even though i haven't seen it i can say with the plethora of films i've seen recently especially in that genre or subgenre, it's just reached a point I'm like Either make an anthology or just keep it at a short film. And even the, or these, just cut these it little to short minutes. anthologies, I feel, are getting... There's one coming out called Tales of Halloween that, like, I know some people in it, but it looks really cheap, you know? Yeah, well, the way I understand that one is that you only had X amount of time to shoot it. It was like... Uh, a 48-hour yeah, like challenge a, like Something like yeah. that, but... Anyway. What else did you check out, Victor? Um, so, I also saw Deathgasm which was uh, produced by um, Ant Timpson, uh, who also produced Turbo Kid. Mm-hmm. And the whole movie is like, filmed and set in New Zealand. And um, basically it's about... Uh, so, yeah, so who did you think of the whole time you were watching it? Oh, it's... It, it's yeah, Kirby. <laughs> oh, it's very much like a death... Ma- it, it, like, I, I, to, to me, I was like uh, thinking it was sort of like a uh, live-action Metalocalypse kind of thing. Right. You know, but it's like fun. Like there's funny parts where, like, if you un- if you know about death metal, it's like it's pretty hilarious. Like there's a part where, like, near the end, where one of the characters who's been with the hero be- be- turns, and he's tr- you know they're the only two people left from the band. And he's like, I think I'm gonna go the Burzum route and do a solo project now. You know. Keeping or they it, talk it var. or they talk about how like uh, one of the characters like I don't want to cup the microphone oh but Cannibal Corpse doesn't like well Corpse Grinder doesn't do that you're wrong did you just school me you know so it's very like there's a lot of insider references like see and that. one of the th- one of the refreshing things about watching it's not a perfect film uh uh-uh. uh um, but but it's fun it's but fun. it is fun is that there hasn't I did been buy it instead of rent it so. there hasn't been like a, a really good like metal horror film in a while yeah no it was good it reminded me a lot of this uh, canadian series called uh todd in the yeah, book, todd of, pure in the book evil. of pure evil yeah yeah, yeah that's what i was gonna say is why I've, I've i've heard about is that it's very similar because i was a big todd uh todd fan stuff mm-hmm. and i love heavy metal movies not just because i'm really into metal and sing for like a death metal band stuff like that but it's because um you know, I, I, I grew up on that kind of stuff like Black Roses, Trick or Treat, and Rock and Roll Nightmare and stuff like that. And um, I can actually say, though, if you two things to the audience, if you want to check them out, if you're into that kind of stuff or want to learn more, is there's a great book that just came out last year called Heavy Metal Movies. Um, it's 
a soft cover. It's huge. It covers like every genre that has like heavy metal or you know like heavy rock elements. And then uh, one of my long-awaited um, features. It went out of print years ago on DVD, but on Blu-ray coming soon now is um, from Slasher Video is Shock 'Em Dead. Mm-hmm. with uh tracy lords and i think you can actually get it for like pretty cheap right now pre-ordered online so definitely check those out but i yeah as soon as i check out deathgasm and cooties <laughs> i'll let you know but i had no doubt probably that was where that was going like you gotta check this out yeah well what i like about it it's like it's filmed in new zealand so there's a lot <laughs> of like in the in the shots and stuff very much call call outs to like uh you know brain dead slash dead alive mm-hmm. and like um when they turn when like it's kind of like a thing where you know they play the song and then it awakens evil so it's kind of like more like demons and a zombie thing but right. when they turn they totally do the deadite steady cam zoom thing down to like the oh. which peter jackson does too so there's a lot of like cool shots in there that'll remind you of things like yeah. that and they don't beat you over the head with it it's yeah you know yeah, I'll, I'll talk about something that beat you over the head with it later. Once yeah, I think it there was another involved. one, too. Wasn't it Demon's Rook or Devil's Rook? It was another, like, lo-fi. It was a Canadian film, though, that was also, like, a heavy metal demon summoning. Mm, I haven't kind heard of, of that one. I haven't had a chance to check it out. I think it's... Uh, but I've heard about that's kind of like a heavy metal film. So, another uh, one to check out. Yeah, so... And then the other movie I saw was um, Electric Boogaloo, The Unreal Story of Canon oh, Films. Oh, that's great. Yep. Okay, so I have some qualms with this documentary. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so I, the, the guy who did this documentary, I forget his name, but he's done a few of these documentaries. The last one he did was called uh, Machete Maidens Unleashed, Unleashed, which was all about... Uh, oh, is this a Filipino... Yeah, like, yeah. This was all about yeah. like Roger Corman and the Filipino film industry. You know, It was like a rise and fall kind of thing. And he did one on ozploitation cinema that's the one that made him famous but i can't remember what the title of it is oh, there's a mark hartley as a director writer yes so his first one is this ozploitation one that he's like really well known for and the title's totally escaping me right now um but uh this one you know and then what i liked about machete maidens unleashed it's like you know it's it talks about oh roger corman and you know how he was making more and more money. And then, uh, you know, eventually they're like, oh, we're going to go to the Philippines and how, you know, it was really a great boom period and how they were able to make like these B monster movies and churn mm-hmm. them out with the help of the Filipino government. And there, it's Tax totally shelter. It, it no. has a rise and fall arc. It has a rise and fall arc because it tells, you know, these movies got killed by the real blockbusters like Jaws killed B movies. Mm-hmm. That's the ultimate thing you get. But we should still celebrate these. And they had like Sid Haig and Pam Greer, like all the stars of these movies like giving you good capsules and it's part of an overall arc to me uh canon films it's like essential to know this if you grew if you you know if you're from the 80s you saw tons of canon films because you know as it tells you in the documentary mgm distributed them because they needed product and they had to restructure and all that and so i saw tons of these movies like 52 pickup murphy's law death wish superman 4 over the you know Tons of movies like this. And that I'm like thinking, oh, because it's going to be kind of like that. Instead, it has this weird like VH1 pop-up video kind of vibe to the whole thing yes. where it doesn't really 
have an arc, you don't really understand at what point they were really getting big enough to kind of get a deal with MGM. And it seems like they were making really, like the really bad movies they made early on seem worse than the ones that like snowed them because of the kind of the structure of it. Right. And I just had kind of a big problem with that. And I realized at the end it tells you that he had reached out to Golan and Globus when he was first making uh, this documentary. And they just decided to make their own instead called the Go-Go Boys. Right. So my my take on this movie is kind of like there was a point when WWE was uh, going to do like a documentary on Bret Hart. And it was going to be like... But he didn't want to uh, participate because he had a bad relationship with them. So he thought they. So they were saying, "Well, we've already done a cut, and it's like it look, makes you look like a terrible light." Because they had done one about another wrestler called the Self Destruction of the Ultimate Warrior, and it's like I would say it's like these two, where it's like just kind of slagging on the movies throughout, and mm-hmm. it makes you wonder why would anyone take this seriously? Right, and that's kind of like my take on this. If you know anything about canon movies going into this, you'll probably come out knowing just as much. Yeah. You'll get some like fun insights on the making of things like Ninja 3 Domination or Breakin', but I don't think right. you're really going to come out knowing too much more. No, you don't know more, like you said. They kind of slummed their way through it. Yeah. There wasn't much I already didn't know. The only thing that I got a little bit more insight on was the the brothers. Yeah. I didn't really know the politics behind all that stuff. Yeah. Um, like I said, you know, you grew up with those movies, so you just expected those movies to be, like, around yeah. all the time. It's like New Line Cinema. I mean, they just, you know, everything kind of folded yeah. like, between the 90s and the aughts. It's, you, you just expected that, but you didn't know, like, these two crazy guys well, were like to at me, the helm yeah, of it. To me, it's like if you but saw, it never if went you, deep enough. Yeah, if you saw a New Line Cinema documentary, you know it would have to be called something like the house that Freddie built. It would have to have a lot of like interviews with like Bob Shea and how he was. You know, they started off doing like exploitation. At the end, they would it would probably the arc would be they'd get bigger, like they were doing Lord of the Rings and stuff. Yeah. And they would made so many bigger movies and lost money down the line that Warner just ate them up again. Right. You know, with this, it's kind of like, you know, I, I would have liked to have seen, like, you know, it started off well where it's like, okay, they started off in Israel. They produced mm-hmm. some movies there. You know, this, like, I didn't know that Last American Virgin was like a remake of the Slum and Popsicle movie right. from Israel. Yeah. And now that makes a lot more sense because growing up, I was like, this movie's really strange. Yeah, you, know? you couldn't really put your finger on it. Yeah, but at the same time, like to me, a, a canon document would have to be about you know, it's the house that Chuck Norris built, and you would have to have. I would have tried to get Chuck Norris or somebody like who was close to Charles Bronson in there and kind of explain that, or like you know, or or like, I I would hope if they do something like this again, like with Carolco or like New Line. It, uh, some more time is taken in. Also, I didn't like the house that Cutthroat Island destroyed. <laughs> yeah, right, but at the same time, like there's there's people in it. Like uh, Alex Winter is featured heavily throughout this documentary, mm-hmm. and you see one clip of him near the end in Death Wish Three. And as far as I know, that's the only canon movie he's in. But he, they're talking about Bolero, they're talking about Sahara, and they keep going to Alex Winter. I think at some point they should have gone well. I was hanging around Canon a lot, or I was in the production office. It, otherwise, it seems strange to talk to Alex Winter so much. Sure. 
you know. Well, yeah, like that said, happens it, a lot in interviews yeah, and like yeah. commentaries when they just throw someone and in. It, it feels like they had a lot of commentaries. And then, to me, like, our, ultimately what I'll say is, like, uh, when I saw the one about the, the Richard Stanley one that oh, uh, yeah, David the, Gregory did, sets the bar so high for these kinds of films. This one, like, does not even skirt it. Yeah. Yeah. That's disappointing because I really like Machete Maidens. Yeah. So it's not even anywhere as good. The production the values are way one I lower. Was okay. Yeah. Like you could tell he wasn't really into this one as much. It's just like, I could do it. And it's weird because it seemed like they were like, he was working on this for like years, mm-hmm. you know, like at least four years and it just doesn't really show up. Have yeah. you seen the other one? Either of you, the go-go boys. No, well, apparently has that been made. Even? It says at the end that it beat this movie to release by three months, but I, I have yeah, I haven't run across yeah. it. At I all. really wonder why they'd want to do. And the only thing I can think about is the one thing um, against the brothers has always been. At least I know there was an undercurrent. I mean, politically was about their uh, uh, typecasting of Arabs and stuff. Oh yeah, um, that's mentioned in there. Like, yeah, because they it's talk pretty, about. I mean, Weirdly enough, the movies they talk about a lot are just like not the ones you would think of. They barely talk about like the missing in action movies, but they spend a lot of time talking about like invasion USA. You know, it's weird because they don't talk. The only Van Damme movie they really mention a lot is a uh, is is a uh, cyborg, and they don't mention kick kickboxer or like any other movies he's in or the captain america like they throughout the whole thing they keep mentioning how like they interviewed michael dudikoff for a minute and he's like i was almost captain america i was spider-man for a minute but they never mentioned how they'd gotten the rights from marvel they interview albert pune and he's only in it for like 60 seconds you know it's just weird it's weird what do you think i'm um, total waste opportunity too or Oh, I'm sorry. No, I was looking into the Go-Go Boys. It's actually not been released here in the U.S. except for uh, film festivals in 2014. It's kind of been making the rounds last, looks like April, May? No, wait, July is last time. San Francisco Jewish Film Festival. Mm. And then it's coming out again. Well, it's going to be released in Japan in November. So it's not, um, it's still making the rounds. Okay. Because I really wonder what that's going to be like, if that's going to be like a fawn. Since they do it themselves, is it going to be a puff piece, or is it going to be like the real, like, honest story? I'm sure they've got more footage and interesting things in their private well, reserves. Well, that, yeah, that. that's what's interesting there, is like, they don't have much footage of Golan and Globus, except for like at a few film festivals where they're doing pitches, you know, um, but they have all the movie footage, because you can just license that from MGM, because yeah, they own yeah. the library. Yeah, I meant the behind-the-scenes yeah. stuff, like all that and those. Yeah, that's just weird, but that's unfortunate because Canon is one of the ones. I mean, besides, like, I mean, definitely studio-wise, you mentioned all the other ones I'd love to see. Uh, Orion is another one I think would be yeah. interesting to see. But the uh, They do a lot of Orion versus um, Canon in this, mm-hmm. but they never really establish why. Like, that's, that's what I mean. That's the missing ingredient. It's like they'll they'll say, oh, if Orion had made this movie when they're talking about like Runaway Train, it would have done so much better because it was canon. Then no, and then they, I think they needed to explain. Well, Orion was like a similar st- indie studio, but they didn't release as much B movie stuff. There's not the the stout the foundation isn't really there. 
I right. feel like I've talked about this a lot. Yeah, no, but I think it kind it's of a good point, though, it that, kind of feeds into the people listen to our podcast. They would be well if there. you don't finish off the arc with Superman four and Masters of the Universe and all that. Then I mean, to me, that's already well, and, like and narrative wise a failure. Yeah, they talk about Superman four and Masters of the Universe, but kind of just as bad movies, like that they spent too much money on. The way that. They kind of, I think they did all of it mostly in the editing. I think initially what they wanted to do was what the Gogo Boys do, brothers, whatever it was uh, called. And Globus is is that it it focused on them and where they were during that time and what movies were being released around that time, mm-hmm. and then they lost focus of that yeah. because it does start to tell their their history and and uh, where they come from yeah. and their influences, and then the documentary just kind of loses that focus yeah it just starts wandering like there's a part like here's here's the thing like they 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 rightfully talk about the ninja movies and like golan and globus created ninjas no one would know what a ninja was if it wasn't for golan and globus and all they do is they just show archive footage and they don't really give you any substance behind it yeah they just like oh yeah franco nero frank is in it he's like oh yeah i was in manila so they cast me and they dubbed my voice but and then they're like but it made a ton of money so then then it just rolls into anecdotes and they have a Lucinda Dickey, who's in Ninja 3 to dom- the Domination. And then from that, it just rolls into Breaking, because she's in that, too. Right. Instead of, like, talking about just ninja movies. So, I, I think the whole detriment yeah. to, the en- to the entire piece is that the the brothers didn't sign off on it. They didn't do the interviews for it. Yeah. You know, recent things, and they broke off and did their own thing. Yeah. And so, then they took what they had, and they just, they squished it all together. Yeah. So I would say if you don't know anything about Canon films, check it out. There and might be some clips right. you might want to see. If you already know anything about it, you probably won't go out really knowing any. Wikipedia will right. probably tell you more. Right. Um, I feel like I'm talking a lot, you know. But uh, I guess we can. I'll I'll wait for the TV stuff till we get it. I will say uh, I went to Beyond Fest. In L.A., which is like the big L.A. genre festival out mm-hmm. there. Um, I went to the... And they had a, a 30th anniversary screening of uh, Better Off Dead. Mm-hmm. Jealous. That sold out. Very jealous. Yeah. It was actually really cool. The, uh, Jonah Jonah Ray from uh, The Meltdown ended up posting it. Kumail couldn't be there, so his wife, uh, Emily Gordon, was, took hit Kumail's spot. And mm-hmm. they kind of did um, like the Q&A. And they had a, a, a pretty diverse amount of people from the cast they had uh they had a uh, curtis armstrong was there yep. who plays charles demar uh kim darby was there who plays lane's mom um amanda weiss was going to be there but i guess she had like a family emergency at the very last minute so she couldn't make it um the actor who played roy stalin was there nice um who else was there? I'm trying to think. Savage Steve Holland. Savage Steve Holland was there, and he was like super nice. Um, I think E.G. Daly was there. Who, she's awesome. Yeah, she's. If you don't know who E.G. Daly is, she's Dottie in Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Um, and uh, the Diane Paper Franklin. Boy, Diane Franklin was there. Yes, too. Diane Franklin was there, and somebody brought the actual costume that she wore in the movie, the hat and the overcoat. Oh wow! And she put that on. <laughs> For the whole Q and A, did he get his two dollars? Uh, you know, it was weird because he was a little more sullen than I would have thought. Like I, they had like looked him up and found him since then. I guess he had stopped doing film, obviously. But uh, 
he just he was very like straightforward oh i looked like a tough kid and but i was bullied a lot in a way you kind of felt bad for him at the end you know um and most of the q a consisted of uh jonah throwing shots out at john cusack because apparently they had tried to get him to come but he kind of felt it was beneath him was the insinuation oh, no, we've talked about this before that he just vehemently believes that savage steve holland is one of the worst comedic directors ever huh interesting better off did, did i not mention this last time Maybe I, I had this I'm, I'm aware of it. I, I heard there was so, a point where he did a bosom buddies like thing and tried to buy it to get rid of it or something. It's like oh, an wow. urban legend about it. But what I what I do know for fact is that Better Off Dead, when they made Better Off Dead, they were making One Crazy Summer directly after that, betting that yeah, Better Off Dead that was, was going to do really well. Uh-huh. So then uh, John Cusack never had a chance to see Better Off Dead as they were making One Crazy Summer. Uh-huh. So when he had the chance, like during the filming of One Crazy Summer, to see Better Off Dead, he's like, oh my God, what am I doing in these movies? This is terrible. And then just kind of sloughed his way through the rest of filming One Crazy Summer. And, and you know, and then started making all the, the accusations. That oh, like okay. Well, that makes a lot more sense. Director. It's, yeah. it's one of the best comedies ever made. I don't know how you could ever say that. I, it's definitely those films too. Like when people talk about childhood films, mm-hmm. for me that's it. And also a family film. My family watch that. Like oh, I yeah. cannot watch that film and not have good memories with my. Oh, family. Oh yeah, absolutely. That so was I the thing. All, I, mean, I, I hadn't seen it in a while, it. and it definitely like it's like when you watch a Christmas story, like right. all the quotable mm-hmm. stuff comes up. I'm like, oh, this is this is a lot better remembered. And like Kim Darby was really hilarious. Um, because uh, she's like 60. It took her a while to like walk down there, but she sounds like exactly the same. Mm. And then it was funny just hearing her talk. And I'm like, I, I really, really wanted this fucking part. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> and then it's like, and then uh, Diane Franklin was like, oh, we had been in a movie before. It was a Lifetime original movie. It's like, I, I just don't remember that because I'm old. <laughs> That's you awesome. Know, but yeah, and it was funny. And like they talked to the actor who played Roy Stahl, and he's like, I swear I'm not a jerk, right, honey? <laughs> what's well, like, what's his name? Uh, uh, Billy Zebnik or whatever. The guy who played Johnny plays oh, like yeah. all the jerk asses in every 80s film and all that. Just one of the guys and stuff. Mm-hmm. He's uh, supposed to be like the nicest dude like ever. And I think it's just because, same thing with Dutch from the Karate Kid, yeah. too. Uh, Martin. Uh, oh, Crease. Crease, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Crease. yeah. But uh, no, it was a cool screening. Like, they had made ampersand shirts that were like, you know, like the John. And then it was like Diane and. Uh, no, it was uh, Lane and Charles and Monique and Paperboy. And they had like a uh, t shirt cannon. And they were shooting them into the crowd. And they had a donut shop come out and give everybody uh, free vegan donuts who was there and cause uh, they got them from this place called place called donut friend that makes a uh, punk rock themed donuts. So this one was called like booger off. <laughs> and then we ended up going to this place afterwards. Cause I was like really curious about a punk rock donut place. And the names are like hilarious. Like they had like a lemon glaze poppy seed donut called like poppy, poppy gandy. They had like one called strawberry lab. That was like stereo lab. But yeah, they, they just, uh, you know, uh, jets to basil that had basil in, you know, it's, it was funny because every single one was like was a, a band bit. name or yeah. a reference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, you son of a bitch. Not only did you get to go to that, then you got vegan donuts too. And they were <laughs> really so good. Much. 
<laughs> but yeah, it was it was pretty awesome. But it, it was funny leaving the whole thing. We were like, like, think our thought was being like, man, this is very commensurate to like a cult classics event. Like it seemed like our events were sort of on the same level, you know, down to like our. I thought our pre-show was actually better than theirs. Mm. You know, and this was like a big event. And I was like, well, it looks like we're coming up in the world over time. You yeah. Know? Yeah. But yeah, and it was a comparable crowd. I think there were like maybe 400 people there, you know, so. Yeah, I've, I've never, I've never been there. So mm-hmm. I don't know how large the venue is or anything like that. But yeah, it, it was cool. It was a very cool experience, you know. So yeah, I'll stop talking now because I feel like I could just keep going. <laughs> Kirby. I don't know. Adam can go on this one. Since you guys especially have watched a lot of the uh, similar stuff here. I saw the Maze Runner Scorch Trials. Oh, how was that? You were looking forward to that. I did not. I liked it. Um, I did like the Maze Runner. You know, I really did like the Maze Runner. Uh, Scorch Trials, I think, is, you know, is right on par with the same thing. It's a a different... kind of storyline that advances it um i had one big huge huge issue with it which i thought was going to be kind of like a a, maybe a setup but it wasn't because after watching the maze runner the first one i was thinking there would be um kind of more like MacGuffins in there or or setups to get them get the the kids to do and go to certain places, but this one wasn't so much like that. Like what Wicked wanted? The, right. But one of the things that really bothered me is the um, uh, the venting systems. How convenient that oh, was. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I was like, this has to be a setup, especially when they made it so easy just to kind yeah. of slip in and out. I'm like, you know, who would not Not a major of, spoiler here, folks. No, not at just all, because uh, it's kind of almost right off the bat that they start playing with that. And I'm like, gosh, this doesn't, you know, you don't really trust everybody because of that. It, it was kind of a nice setup in that way, but it, it never really paid off to where, you know, there's like a wink to it or anything. So it just kind of seemed like a very extremely convenient thing. Other than that, I like the tone of it. I like the look of it. Um, I like the feel of it. I, I am anticipating uh, the, the third part. Um, it reminded me a little bit of um, one of my more favorite uh, uh, Resident Evil films, uh, Extinction, uh, when they're in the desert and, and everything like that. Is that That's the one Las Vegas one? Yeah. Okay. Um, which is, is one of my favorite uh, Resident Evil films. So I liked how they you know took care of all that. And then... Uh, yeah, I liked it too. I didn't like it as much as the first one, right. but for different reasons. But it felt like the logical extension, not just right. because of the books and all that. I just mean thematically, everything 100% fit. The cast was really good. Mm-hmm. The one thing I will say about it is I was totally blown away by, I mean, I know it was a PG-13 film, but that was some scary shit in there for oh, kids. Yeah. Like, um, maybe because I was one of the few adults there, but it was like, I mean, kids were like freaking out. And I can also say is I'm a huge um, any gamers out there, The Last of Us, this is basically like a pre-run. I know they're going to eventually make that into a movie, which is weird because the game is basically a movie, but um, the the creatures in there, I because um, I'm writing the books, and I'm not giving anything dead away, right. I thought they were going to be more zombie-like, and a few are, but they have stages of evolution, so it's almost like a Left for Dead Last of Us thing, but it, they are the closest thing in a film I've seen to the clickers, 
for those in the know, but it was definitely interesting. So yeah. good stuff. They were frightening. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, it's been a few weeks since I saw, you know, I saw it the weekend that it came out. So it's, you know, a little bit of the details are fuzzy for me, but I liked it. Uh, and I haven't really heard much more after the fact about the, the film. Uh, but anyways, uh, I did catch on VOD road hard. Does that ring a bell for anybody? Uh, I think I've seen it scroll. Well, tell me, tell us uh, about that's it. the, uh, uh, Adam, um, Corolla, uh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Now I know what kind you're talking of, about. kind of a, a biopic, but not. Is that the right word that I'm looking for? Uh, it's he has a different name. No, I think is I think maybe his first name is Adam, but it's a different last name. Where he's a comedian at the time of um, not necessarily going through a divorce. I think he might already be divorced, but it's it it's. He basically wrote it between the time of all his man show stuff was done. He was um, so this isn't a documentary. It's It's a movie. It's a movie. Okay. It's uh, it's a narrative uh, fictionalized around his own life. Gotcha. So it gives him the sleepwalk with me, sort of. Never saw it. But oh. I would I would assume so. I didn't see that one. It's so. the Mike Birbiglia movie. Oh yes, wait, I did see yeah. that one. It took me a second with the title. Yeah, yeah. Mark Mike Birbiglia is good. That yeah. one's his stamp's good. So. A lot of parallels to his own life when he's looking at Jimmy Kimmel, going, "Well, he, you know, why is he so you know where he is now? How come I'm not getting a break?" Part of I I did like the film. And I think it is worth seeing, especially if you do like Adam Carolla. But there are points in there where he is using it as a revenge pick or maybe using it as a way to uh, vocalize his disdain for certain situations and people that were once his friends. So is it kind of like private parts? You're kind of making it sound like private parts. In a way, but there's a little bit more spit and venom in there. Mm, like he'll like they'll he'll have a conversation with his movie wife uh-huh and i feel like he's doing a bit to hurt his wife in the film yeah well through through the film to his She's actual a proxy for his ex yeah yes okay or even like friends he'll like just go up to him and you know or there'll be a situation so jimmy kimmel actually isn't in the movie no he's not okay um jimmy kimmel is played by um boy i don't remember his name the blonde haired comedian guy uh with kind of the lazy eye a little but probably around the same age it's gonna come to me and it's gonna kill me but anyways yeah, the only lazy-eyed comedian I can think of is Doug Benson. <laughs> uh, no, he's he's the the good-looking one who married the girl from uh, that um, married a children rip-off show. Oh, okay, what I have to I have to find uh, this. I think I know you're talking about on Happily Ever After. No. Yeah. Yes. But that I show, that's what I mean. Oh, I know who you mean. You're talking about the guy from Entourage. Dun, dun, the the redhead guy from Entourage. Jay Moore. Oh, Jay Moore. Moore. I thought you were talking about Kevin Connolly. Wow. Jay Moore is Kim, as Jimmy Kimmel. He's playing the Jimmy Kimmel role. I, oh, so, oh, oh, he's pl- he's not playing. He's playing a Jimmy Kimmel-esque character. He, they do not use real names. Okay, gotcha. But Jay Moore and Adam Carolla's characters, they used to have this show that was like called like Man Talk. Or, oh, the Man Show? Like the Man but Show. But they, 
they changed the yeah. name of it. It's man something else. Gotcha. So this is kind he's of like a, a descent. He's, so he's a pastiche. Sure. Yeah. So an ex- yeah. an example of where he's trying to like like take out all his rage mm-hmm. through the film, you know, to the people in his real life, is like when he's at a comedy club and the um, the promoter says, "Well, you know, here's your money," and he he goes off on this thing of where like it almost seems like in real life he wouldn't say anything. He would just take the money. Yeah. And just kind of like, oh, you know, that really stinks that I didn't get, you know, what I was promised. Instead, he goes into this whole long thing of like really trying to piss the guy off and like maybe not even get a job there again. So it's, it's, you know how like a, if a bully or somebody says something to you and you're like, oh, I wish I would have said this or that. Yeah. That's what he does in this film. He takes all that stuff, all these situations Mm -hmm. and comes up with like the perfect comebacks. Yeah, this isn't selling so, something I'd want to watch. Right. So yeah. that's that's my only complaint. Other than I, I like Adam Carolla. I I didn't think it was that bad. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna skip my my TV stuff for later. I did see Love and Mercy. I have no. I don't know what that is. Uh, that is the um, biopic on uh, um, Brian Wilson. Okay. Where it's John Cusack uh, in the later year brian wilson role and then in the earlier one is um oh gee one of my favorite actors and i keep forgetting john his name. cusack in a music related film <laughs> but he doesn't he doesn't sing or anything no, like I that know. in it he, he plays the no drugged sonic out, death monkey yeah uh brian wilson role um and then there's the the younger version uh the guy from uh let there be blood and little miss sunshine Oh, Silent. Paul Dano. Paul Dano. Yeah. Um, really like him. It was a good movie. It's kind of it's kind of bittersweet. Uh, it's based on Brian Wilson's book of when he was being manipulated um, through drugs and, and other people and wasn't diagnosed properly. Um, Does it have the Beach Boys in it? Like, yes. Okay. Yeah. So this uh, was it like, has the music. I mean, mm-hmm. this is a, you know because yeah. it's all it's all Brian Wilson and he signed off on it. He was like a I believe like a co producer on it. Oh, okay, kind of thing. It's based on his book. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was good. It's a little bit of a fluff piece. It does get dark. Does in it some like demonize spots. the Beach Boys? He wasn't a part. Not of. necessarily because uh, they they don't well because Brian Wilson really did have mental issues yeah that weren't that they couldn't really diagnose at that time they're just like oh you're weird yeah you know and or just you know brian just go away or whatever or you yeah know, here take some you know cocaine or something because i had whatever. remembered you know because you know, around the 90s or so and like you know the, the beach boys are basically like the doobie brothers you'd see them like on oh yeah full house and, and he was really not cool with that I, so it's cool he doesn't go the route of that movie you were just talking yeah. about he, he he doesn't really demonize him he just kind of he shows just what's going on in, in his thought process like brian wilson he's such a genius mm-hmm. i love the beach boys more than the than the beatles and stuff like that that's why it was gravitated toward this film but mm-hmm. uh just his his process is so much different for everybody else it's like he he appreciates and he loves um you know his brothers and and the beach boys and the people that were involved but it it to them, it felt like it was more like Brian Wilson, and then they just came in and did the vocals. Yeah. There were some other albums where he he realized that he he didn't really realize what he was doing at the time when he was making those earlier albums. 
that he was taking over and doing everything yeah. and then just having them come in basically as session players or singers. Mm-hmm. Um, and later on, he kind of realized that he was doing that and losing them um, and involved them more into the process. Uh, but, you know, it, they, it, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't point fingers at the Beach Boys specifically mm-hmm. um, or put them in like a bad light. Or, you know, when they kind of went and they did their own touring and things like that. Yeah, no, I hear you. That's good, then. Uh, Exporting Raymond, which is on Netflix. I never watched the show. Uh, Everybody loves Raymond. This is, but in another, it's about the creator shopping it to another country. To Russia. That's right. I remember uh, this was at the Phoenix Film Festival a few years ago. And it's fantastic. You like the insider kind of look at um how tv shows are made yeah uh through the perspective of a completely different country the 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 gentleman that created everybody loves raymond is he's he says he's not a people person but he connects with people um in just an amazing way like where where i would give up or you would think it's like oh we're just not seeing eye to eye on this he actually talks through it He's like, hey, let's go just get something to eat and sit down and do something. Uh-huh. So it's it's a nice study into human behavior and working through um, the d- diverse cultures as well. Hmm. Hmm. Sounds interesting. So that's worth it. That's on Netflix right now. Mm, cool. Cool, cool. Kirby? All righty. So we'll just do shows last, I guess, here. Yeah. So I'll just run through the flicks. Um, I've seen a ton of stuff actually. So, um, uh, talked about Scorch Trials. Um, one I've been waiting a long time to see, obviously, because it was delayed a year. Let's finally saw Green Inferno. Yeah, I want to see that. I haven't gotten a chance to yet. Um, yeah, that and Good Night, Mommy. I think it's going to be in the Dollar yeah. Theater very soon. So, um, but you know, I like Eli Roth. I, I liked Cabin Fever. I liked both Hostel movies. I liked him in Glorious Bastards. Um, you know, he's part of the Splat Pack group. You know, very despised by a lot of horror fans and stuff, and people who consider themselves, uh, you know, genuine or the truly devout and stuff. But I think he is one of those people who really is. It just, it, his the consistency of his work, it varies. I mean, some of it I like. I mean, most of it I like, but not all of it. I truly enjoy, like, you know, it's like, oh, it's the best thing I ever saw. But I love the Hostel films especially. I thought that was an amazing idea. I travel a lot. I've been to six continents and 40 countries. And I've been in a couple hostels or places where, man, there was some definite, like, second thoughts. Or been in some real weird situations in foreign countries. So it's one of those things that kind of, like, hit home. In fact, I saw the first film right before i went to europe for oh, the yeah, first good, time good idea yeah it was <laughs> it was very um definitely uh had a jaws like effect but um uh the green inferno i mean i guess it's funny because victor and i had a talk uh we went to son of monster palooza which i can talk about here in a second oh, okay and he can fin but we were talking about the um social justice warrior kind of thing which is I guess a lot of people are really upset about the Green Inferno because they think it's poking fun at kind of like Tumblristas and slacktivists and all this kind of stuff. And you know what, though, it really does hit on, especially since I've been to the Amazon and seen kind of the way some things work there. I just feel in Galapagos and places like that, I just feel like a different insider. I think it hits home pretty spot on. 
Um, that's because also my personal like political feelings where I just feel like, yeah, that this kind of stuff just it isn't doing a whole lot in the end. But, um, you know, people are like, well, they're being punished for that. And I said, I don't think it's punishment. It's just a standard, like, twist of fate kind of thing. Well, I, I, But it works. It works well. I mean, it's just, I, all I can say in the end, though, is, is that I want more gore than, uh, than, of course, like, I mean, I would say still Campbell Holocaust, Campbell Ferox, a lot of the Grey Ones Mountain, the Cannibal God and stuff like that. They're all still better. All the original Italian films are still better. But it's nice to see it in a theater in 2015, like that kind of brutality and stuff. Um, they went a little heavy on the CGI, but oh god, but really? a little, in a couple spots, way more than they should. But I will say one thing: I really like that Eli Roth is at the very end. He puts a guide in the credits of Italian Campbell films to check out, like a whole list and like influential okay, directors. Okay, well that's kind of cool. So it's kind of cool. So he balanced out pretty well. The only thing I will say is absolutely hated the ending possibly more than i've hated an ending in a film in a long long time i mean it's horrible like just bad shitty endings seem to be plaguing a lot yeah i mean it's just really bad he could have hit it right out of the park and because there's a perfect part where it could end and it just kept going and it got more convoluted and just annoying it's the, bad. the the colors look pretty yes is it the cinematography it is very well mm. shot it is actually does it know, not look like it's shot in the like the back lot of universal studios no it, it looks pr- i mean the amazon is beautiful and stuff but you can't ever you know convey the humidity and stuff and a lot of, of you know they try to include the flora and fauna as best they can mm-hmm. um I, I believe it was actually shot in Colombia or Brazil, yeah. but um, instead of in Ecuador or, Colum- or in Ecuador, which is where a lot of people would shoot. Well, I mean, you know, you know how it's like, though. I mean, I'm not saying like it was. It yeah. would have been literally shot I, in the back lot. No, no, I but, know what you mean. You know, they they sometimes they tend to focus on just a certain amount of anchorage. Acreage. Yes. And just do establishing yep. shots of like all the beautiful. This yeah, the sacrament stuff. is complete. Uh, yeah, the Ty West movie, the sacrament, completely looks like it's just shot on this right. block they keep of land. They just keep running around yeah. on, which is another terrible movie that I. <laughs> <laughs> well, another guy too, and that yeah. kind of group, Ty West and stuff. But I don't know. So I, I would I would encourage people to go see it. Um, I definitely paid matinee price. I would do that or less. But it is one thing that is up for debate with a lot of people is supporting it though while it's still in theaters, so they might make some more like it. Um, well, see, I'm really interested to to me to see uh, the Green Inferno, considering they took that whole oh we're making fun of the at, uh, the the click activists because like pretty much the sacrament is is that has that exact same spin the to vice. it where AJ Bowen is basically playing uh, Shane from Vice. Yeah, down to them using the Vice name, which I thought was really stupid of them to let them do that. Um, but to me, that the whole—I mean, all it is—is is just taking the exact same uh, archetype they use from *Cannibal Holocaust*, where it's like, oh, the the wide-eyed college, uh, you know, who, student or whatever who wants to go out in the world and make it like you know but then yeah. they're cynical it's like when i was in college and you know there were kids who went to cuba and then they come back and say you know communism sounds so awesome it's like yeah of course because you were led around by the state on your whole trip and only allowed to see certain things yeah my buddy uh 
used to always hit kids. His Cuban he used to always, if he saw a Che Guevara shirt, he'd just punch him right in the yeah. face because Che Guevara killed his grandfather. Yeah. And it was like, that's like wearing a Hitler shirt to me. But, you know, it's, it, again, one of those things, but it, it oh yeah, works, no, that's but, like my same attitude towards like the Che Guevara, you know, caster thing. Given my background, I'm considering Che Guevara is not even uh, Cuban. He was a rich Bolivian guy who yeah. decided to play revolutionary. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could go on the politics here. That's but why I'll, I don't like the motorcycle diaries. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'll run through here. The other films I checked out was, um, as I've, I've mentioned a few times, I'm a big dollar theater enthusiast now. And um, I did check out a few. Um, I finally saw Vacation, which I, I you uh, know. Yes, I did too. Was only like, uh, for me, like worth going to see in the dollar theater. You guys I, can talk about that then. I, I laughed. I mean, definitely got my dollar fifty worth of laughs out of it. Yes. But beyond that. I really have nothing to say. It's just Chevy Chase just phoned it in. It kind of looks like Chevy it. Chase just scares the hell out of me now. Yeah, no, there's something wrong with him. Him and uh, it's just like a lot of those guys, a lot of the old SNL guys are just getting um, paunchy. Well, not like paunchy. He's I mean, very him, him and Dan Aykroyd are both looking just absolutely awful these days. I mean, you know, Harold Ramis got big too, but I mean, I don't know. He still looked more dignified. I don't know if it's because it's the Egon thing, mm. but I mean, like a lot of those guys. I mean, and then there's a guy who stayed like more fizz, like a, a Steve Martin, but well, even Bill Murray fit, his, is like skinny. Yeah, his mental and stuff. Well, Bill Murray's also starting to look more like a, you know, is starting to get that kind of you know. He, I mean, that Saint Vincent, especially. I'm like, mm. so you basically look like you do all the time, like. <laughs> But, he mean, looks a lot different in that movie he has coming out. I forget what it is. Yeah, called. I did see that yeah. one, the trailer for it. I mean, I, I still like a lot of those guys and stuff, but I mean, like, I just remember whatever it was, like 10 years ago, years ago when they, 10, 15 years ago when they did the roast of Chevy Chase. And I mean, even back then, he, he looked more like Chevy Chase, but you could just tell he was done. And I mean, and it really pissed him off, that roast, because. I mean, people were brutal, but it was also like the truth. It's like you yeah. haven't made anything in years worth watching. Nobody <laughs> cares anymore. Well, I guess we could t- remember uh, not too long ago or last year. Yeah, I think it was earlier this year. Uh, we went to go to see Doug Benson do stand up. Uh-huh. And then we p- got picked to play um, Last Man Stanton with Doug. And this asshole sitting in the front row pick chevy chase as the actor and seriously it's the shortest round <laughs> of last man stand you'll ever hear it literally lasts like four minutes yeah tops yeah but oh yeah sorry yeah it, it's just like he's barely in anything it's funny too when you brought up the adam carolla thing you're like you know when you're talking about like oh why am i as big as jimmy kimmel all i can think of is the late great truly great greg Giraldo saying you look like pete sampras with down syndrome <laughs> like, that says it all chief <laughs> But so uh, a vacation, um, you know, you're you were spot on with your with your synopsis. That now something that was somewhat similar to me is: Did you ever see Where the Millers? Yes, yeah. exactly. It's basically it the is same. basically the same. Really, thing. Yeah. oh, hundred percent. But like, Where the Millers, just, I think, is just which is Ed Helms is also more. in. Yes, yeah, it's a very apt analogy that I would say is. You know, and I guess that's the way I, I'm sure, you know, much like this 80s road trip kind of movies, you know, that came out of the the Griswold National Lampoon's mold. Uh, 
that's I think the way films are going now is just you know it's even like films like a rat race or some of those mm-hmm. kind of movies yeah. mm-hmm. that have come out in the last 10 15 years I really do think are going to continue to be in this like it has to be the next craziest scenario and stuff instead of like more realistic things it's like right. so so I have a question considering I haven't seen it I think one of the, the the things I liked about the early lampoon movies of Chevy Chase is Chevy Chase is kind of playing this like straight man sort of character who's just like very haunted in his role as like a family man right you know and you like he just wants to get to wally world because fuck it he's gonna go to wally world Mm -hmm. you know and to me like i would imagine ed helms is pretty much just playing ed helms and there's not a lot of that okay that's what i thought he doesn't he doesn't have that extra layer yeah you know it's very surface right yeah, it's Ed Helms. Yeah. And I mean, there's all the requisite meta jokes, like mm-hmm. the end jokes about the previous uh, Griswold Lampoon kind of movies. And yeah, stuff I like think that. the problem is you can't really, because it's a sequel, he's playing Rusty. Yeah, he is Rusty. Yeah, okay. he is Rusty. So basically, it's carrying the weight of all the other movies. Yeah, and then they do some scenes that are verbatim exactly the oh, same. God. Oh, with maybe wow. a little, you know, twist ending as uh-huh. far as the, you know, tongue in cheek punchline might be a little bit different. Okay. But there's at least three or four scenes that are exactly the same as the first vacation. I hate so. when remakes do that. Like that's it, it just it just really doesn't work. I mean, that's really all I can say. Like parts of it are still funny because they're just funny. Right. Either because of good comedic timing or a good setup. But overall, I mean, it, it, they just most of them fall flat. The best part to me of the whole movie was the little brother. Mm-hmm. Because it's just so awesome, like how vicious yeah. he was. But yeah. the rest of it, I-, I couldn't deal with. But even how they dealt with the little brother a little bit later on in the yeah, film, just and how became, he changed this kind of scene. It's just too it's quick, too out of place. Yeah, it was um, just it, it wasn't natural. It was a better off dead kind of thing, like where the little yeah. Brother I almost think could have a movie like that could have been cool if they'd gone that weird absurdist, like have a part where he's looking at his like family photos and it's a different rusty in every photo <laughs> well, yeah, like he's anthony michael hall in one picture when it's yeah. leslie mann as audrey so it's just kind of just funny though of course yeah that, you know they picked her to be the next one um and not a non-ginger to be the rusty uh, but yeah. i don't know um did i mention paper towns last time <laughs> no i can't remember i did see that um it's the guy who did Fault in Our Stars. Yeah, which, John Green. Yeah, who's like the new Nicholas Sparks to have like ludicrous life and relationship expectations. I think he's more like the young adult Dave Eggers, right? It seems like I, I see. Lots he kind of it, it, it's a little bit of both. I mean, I will say it's not that like ludicrously like happy endings. It's yeah. more like realistic. But it, you know, I enjoyed it. I had fun during the film. I'll be totally honest but it was also one of those films where you know at the end the one thing i will say about that like this is that the primary um female protagonist is is so unlikable towards the end she's just one of those people you just uh, like cara de la yeah or her eyebrows also are extremely unlikable anyways but (laughs) um yeah i don't know it was just one i saw a trailer for that pan movie and apparently she's playing every mermaid in that movie they do the social network thing where they put her face on all the mermaids this looks like a terrible movie i was gonna say or the deep roy yeah (laughs) um i i don't know it's worth a watch like i enjoyed it enough but i i mean i'm not gonna go out like go oh you gotta go see this it's it's a oh once 
one and done kind of yeah. thing. Um, and then I did finally, I know you guys saw it. I, I know Adam did. I think you did too, Victor. It was Man from Uncle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. is weird that I've been seeing so many spy movies or so much have come out this year. Seeing uh, Spy and Kingsman and now Man from Uncle. Man from Uncle is probably the least likable for me of the bunch. Sure. No, agree. but yeah. I still enjoyed it. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, the chemistry was good. It, it played well. I mean, especially for the vintage appearance, definitely a lot better than a lot of other vintage ones. But, um, anyways, you know, it's all right. Um, what did you think? What I really loved about Man from Uncle is I loved how they overplayed the American accents. Yes. That was, that was just so. Oh, I noticed that time. even in the trailer. Yeah. 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 They, all the accents, his accent, like the, the ludicrous Iron Curtain yeah. Russian accent. I mean, it, it was Dolph Lundgren and Rocky Four esque. Like, I think that was like the last great one of those. But I, I just thought everything was well done in it. It just, and it, and it all tied together well. Mm-hmm. Scenes were good. Action yeah. was good. I just, I'm really surprised how good all these spy movies have been. Um, so in, enjoyable. I think that's part of like the geopolitical universe we live in now, where you can't have movies where Russia or China are bad guys because there's such like financial tension between them and needing the international sales. So they just do these period pieces now when it was okay to have the Chinese and Russians as bad guys. Mm -hmm. It's kind of funny when you think about it, how like dependent, like the film economy is on international sales. Oh yeah. 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 It definitely can't be anything modern. That's a good point. Um, and then I actually, um, headed out this uh, past weekend to Portland um to see to go to the lovecraft film fest um i've this is the first one i've been in portland it was their 20th anniversary so uh congratulations to them it was a lot of fun um i've been going to the one in san pedro for the last five six years now um and so this is my first portland one it's pretty similar they do things a little bit differently a lot more content um, in terms of like they d- divvy up all the rooms because it's at the Hollywood Theater in Portland, um, which has um, a main theater and then two uh, two rooms upstairs, two screening rooms. So it it worked out pretty good to see all that kind of stuff. Uh, Jeffrey Combs was there. Charles Strauss is the keynote speaker. Enjoyable. Um, I was telling the guys that I, both Victor and Adam, that I'm getting a little burnt out because I'm a huge Lovecraft acolyte, but they've just been doing. Uh, you know, a lot of the short films, there's just there's not that much content, so I've seen a lot of the same stuff, all of which generally has been good, but it's getting kind of thin. But the people put these on, it's it's a lot of hard work, it's a lot of fun, um, and um, I'm from the Northwest, so going to Portland, Seattle was a lot of fun, just to and spending time with my uh, brother who still lives up in the area. Um, just good times, but, uh, um, I could go on. It'd take well, too I'd, long I'd be, to go I, on know, those I'm, films, I'm, but I'm kind of surprised that if it's, they've been doing it for 20 years now. Yes, sir. Um, that they haven't maybe, uh, what are the words I'm grabbing for with like the short films, like there, there hasn't been, uh, more, uh, output for that considering that it's been around for so long if people are aware of it and go to it there are a lot of independent filmmakers that are just all they do is they jump on a lot of lovecraft stuff because it's public domain yeah and it's interesting and it can be interpreted in so many different ways that you would think like the young filmmakers mm-hmm. would just be like 
You know what it is? If, if it wasn't for international filmmakers, I don't think there would be anywhere near the amount of content there is, which is actually pr- pretty diverse and, and large. It's just a matter of that. Uh, and you're right. And it's a variety of mediums. I mean, it's film, mm-hmm. it's it's uh, stop motion, it's claymation, you know, whatever, uh, animation, the uh, m- mixed uh, multimedia. And there's some amazing stuff. I mean, yeah, if you're an uh, independent filmmaker, short filmmaker, and you want to do something, Lovecraft is uh, really easy. And like I'm said, it's public domain. I mean, you really can interpret it all you want because all Lovecraft stuff is all atmosphere, not action. And a lot of it is just pages and pages and pages and pages of description. Jeffrey Combs actually did a one-time reading of two ones. He did The Outsider which is the inspiration for the film he was actually in, Castle Freak, that Stuart Gordon directed. And then he read, um, actually was one of the first Lovecraft stories I ever read when I was still in high school. It was many, many moons ago, but was uh, The Doom That Came to Sarnath, which is uh, definitely a classic. Um, and so it was really enjoyable. But, you know, you even uh, Jeffrey Combs was like, my God, like I can't believe how many pages just this one description of like a castle went on so he was he's getting kind of burned out but um yeah but it was good but what i was going to segue in that part of it was i want to talk about lovecraft fest but i also want to mention my brother was just going on and on and on about how good american ultra was so i went and saw that a couple hmm. days ago when i got back uh, at the dollar theater and i've been interested in going and seeing it it looked like it was going to be some fun i mean i like jesse eisenberg i'm not a fan of kristen stewart of course right. but they both are serviceable, but I, to me, that to me, just not no, to please cut go you ahead. off. I, I I am interested in seeing that movie, but God, every like I, I was listening to like Doug loves movies or some other thing too. Anytime Max Brooks goes on to promote this movie, he's like shoots it in the foot because he's so fucking full of himself. He, he just Max like, Landis, yeah. No, no, I think it. Yeah, Max Brooks, Max Landis, that, Max Landis, yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. just, yeah, John Landis is son. You're right. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It's just like he's so fucking full of himself, and he like this is the best thing ever. Oh my, he's just such a fucking douchebag, you know. <laughs> but it's it, he does do something like Chronicles are yeah, really like good Chronicle movie, a you know? and it is a lo- It's like the uh, lighthearted Chronicle version, basically. I mean, the, the premise is good, like, and it, there's some great jokes and some great gags, but it's funny, as I was talking about Green Inferno, I was talking about, you know, I'm just, I, I want more gore, and it, I am a gore hound, but I also don't, you know, film doesn't have to have it horror otherwise to be enjoyable, but I think in, like, the ultra-violent, hyper-kinetic stuff, it, it just really works well, but my brother had built up so much about how much, like, gory and violence and stuff, but, I, you know, I felt it was a, a little bit of a letdown, the comedy was enjoyable, but not perfect. I mean, it was a good movie. I'd watch it again. I just didn't love it. It felt like Ma- Max Landis trying to make an ultra-violent Scott Pilgrim kind of thing, almost yeah. in a way. It's the best way I can describe it to somebody because it has a very comic book element or kick-ass or whatever, Yeah. but almost more Scott Pilgrim, like this lovable stoner kind of dude is, you know, I, I and then Kristen Stewart, I mean, she's just, She's just so awful. Like she, she is. There's terrible. really nothing else to say. Like she's just so bad. Yeah, Max Landis was on Doug Loves Movies, and they went, "Oh, so you you just did American Ultra? How is that?" And it's like oh, it got some mixed reviews, but it's a fifty percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which is the exact same rating for True Romance. So there you go. 
And you, oh, Kumail yes, was okay. just there like, what? <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it, it's all right and stuff, but, um, well, why did it, why did it feel like it uh, from the trailers? Like it was Adventureland too. That, Cause they're both in Adventureland. That that's right. Oh, yeah. So yeah. a little bit of it was Adventureland. It also is a very like, um, towny movie. Like it, it's completely about them living in like West Virginia and they can't, you know, he can't leave. Um, kind of thing and it's uh you know not a big spoiler there and stuff but it's very like you know they work like small town jobs and stuff yeah um the supporting cast is really good um but it's um i i, I do think it topher grace is in it and he is he is literally like redoing his eddie brock kind of role like the bad side that's of it the only he can only that's the only thing it, yeah. he can do when he wants to be a bass but he's just such a sniveling shit um and and i mean you hate him the whole movie but i will say he does it well um but yeah i i don't know it's just one of those ones it, it it's enjoyable but i mean people who think it, it was like a cult film in the making or something which i'm sure max Lanz is like god i've already got this book for midnight yeah. screenings you know for the next 10 years or something i mean it, it's not gonna happen it, it just isn't because it's it's enjoyable but it, it's not it's not campy or anything. It's just, mm -hmm. he plays it very straight. It's, I, it just doesn't, it doesn't hold the way it's supposed yeah. to or implied in the trailer. No, it, to me, it's like weird. Like the movies that come out of late, that could be cult movies. There aren't that many. Like when you were just like describing this a little bit, I was thinking of like, horns which has like oh, some totally. recognizable that's a spot on but yeah that movie is gonna be a cult movie straight on. I mean, it has like you know as daniel radcliffe but the rest of the cast to go back what we were saying about like cooties is like pretty much unknowns with a few faces in there for like color mm -hmm. and that movie really works to me anyway i just that just came to mind yeah so i'll wrap it up here the last thing though i gotta say is i saw three as everyone knows big documentary dude um, three I saw that I absolutely think you should check out. The first one is um, they're all on Netflix. Is uh, I think two of them are on Netflix. One's on uh, I saw on Prime. Uh, is the New Black, which is a documentary about um, uh, investigation of like the black uh, church community, uh, how they deal with homosexuality. Wow, that um, sounds like it would be interesting. It's very interesting. Um, in fact, in the the reason I liked it so much is it, it basically is it is it starts out like in the first fifteen minutes, it really kind of works the standard arguments, differing opinions, um, including like how the media sets this up and stuff is all there. Like there, they it's not like you have to you know they really start getting deep into it. Um, and it just works. It's very interesting because, um, you know, it, it, they, it's very fair, I would say, to everybody, both sides involved and everyone like they, they kind of clearly make their cases and stuff. But it's less of like this is a debate as it really is a discussion because everybody's they're, they're the individual may everybody's part of the same community mm -hmm. and they're they're kind of talking about it, so it's definitely worth checking out yeah that's like one of those subjects that like is bigger than you realize since you but since you're not part of that thing you don't really yeah realize and they don't it. and it's definitely something like yeah. most people don't want to talk about especially i think in the that community I mean, this is not one who can see like al sharpton yeah. or some of those guys who also is i mean if you know anything about al sharpton if you ever want to read anything i mean he's made numerous homophobic statements throughout his his career and you know absolutely no 
you know, it's like basically no judgment on him. Yeah, and Key and Peel did like a whole skit about this one time, and then I, at first I thought it was odd, and then I realized no, this is actually like a topic of conversation that probably happens a lot in the black oh, community. There, yeah, yeah, there's there's a good. Uh, this goes back to like Mr. Show with David Cross and Bob Odenkirk did a really good kind of parallel to that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely worth checking out. Um, it's funny you start off with the cooties thing about the chicken nugget making you want to go vegan. <laughs> uh, I've been vegan for over 15 years, and the reason I am is largely I have humane, uh, like moral issues and stuff. But I'm mainly a, a vegan for environmental reasons. And if you haven't checked out Cowspiracy yet, um, it definitely will give you all you need to know about the environmental um, angle and the way he goes after like Sierra Club and. Um, all EPA, you know, all the big uh, surf rider and stuff is just awesome. Questioning why they they don't have anything about veganism, vegetarianism, as it's a very interesting about the control that even in very left wing uh, organizations, people just do not want to challenge the the animal agricultural industry, um, and it's it's really really good. I mean, I just can't say enough. Yeah, that's in my queue. Yeah, definitely check out. It doesn't have to. It, I, it's, I, I'm not saying that to convert you to veganism or to, but it's oh, just interesting. Yeah, yeah there's I'm, I'm no not a vegan, but I find those documentaries like uh, Food Inc. and all that yeah. really oh, yeah, interesting, yeah. especially like well, we Monsanto all love and the Tyson. How the whole thing with uh, Tyson Foods and how they basically turn uh, chicken marker chicken uh, farmers into their serfs. Yeah, you know? it is. It's total yeah. the Monsanto kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. And then the one I, 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 I'm already going to say, this is the best documentary I've seen this year. This may be the best documentary. I mean, the most eye-opening, informing wow. thing I've seen in years is the movie. It's Divorce Corp. And it's about family courts in America. And, I mean, if this doesn't get you pissed off, no matter who you are, whether you have kids, whether you're married, whatever, what the complete abuse of our constitutional rights as Americans, uh, of our, our belief that we ought, we have three branches of government. No, we have four. The fourth is family courts. And I swear to God, I don't think I've been so angry after the end of documentary in forever. I mean, huh. just infuriated me. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and it, it's a subject I don't, the only reason I know anything about it, and it doesn't fully talk about this because it's more divorce. But I do know I've always been upset with like the uh, CPS stuff because I've had a I had a colleague who went through it with um, um, having like a child, you know, and the the issues and stuff that that child had, and then CPS being like, no, we washed our hands of this, and then having to go through like the family court process, uh, it, it just kills me. But this is on every level, and it just like I said, I mean it. It makes me want to go, like, a not green inferno, but <laughs> want me to be an activist, at least in some way, mm. against this. It's absolutely... Was that, was that the one that's on Prime? It or is. That no, that's on Netflix, oh, that's actually. Netflix. Okay. Um, the one on Prime, I'll just quick aside, because we may have mentioned this once before. I think one of you saw it, but on the more heartwarming tip, as opposed to the enraging, um, the I Am Big Bird the Carol Spinney oh, yeah, story. Yeah, I mentioned oh, is, I didn't yeah, see it. I know, that's I know, on I Prime, though. I've seen yeah, it. Yeah, it is on Prime. Is absolutely beautiful. It is, especially if you grew up with Sesame Street, which most people did. Jim Henson, um, he's just such a gentle, wonderful person. Uh, Carol Spinney and is fascinating, and he's very fascinating. All he's done with his life, and and the story of where Sesame Street went, and public television, 
and you know his struggles i mean he's a very um like a fragile but tough person and uh it was just beautiful really well done too so yep. it's a nice you might want to watch that like back to back start with divorce corp <laughs> and then watch and that's c-o-r-p divorce corp like corporation so good stuff to check out yeah so i think we've run a bit long on this one so i think we're gonna do our fall tv preview review as a separate episode <laughs> so that'll be episode 22 what do you guys say Huzzah. Uh, huzzah, huzzah, indeed. But uh, I think, you know, that's got us caught up to the present. Um, so I think we're going to... We're going to try not to go a month <laughs> next time, we promise. We're going to we're gonna wrap this up and uh, just with a few things we've got coming up. Uh, as always, you can check out Cult Classics AZ every month in Tempe at the Pollock Tempe Cinemas. Tickets are available on our website at cultclassicsaz.com and at every Zia record location in the Valley. Uh, this fri- this Saturday, October 10th, you can check out our tribute to uh, Wes Craven with a special screening of Scream. Scream, everybody. And uh, on October 24th, our Halloween month of madness continues with uh, Army of Darkness. Week before the stars ash versus evil dead tv show kicks off tickets for both of those are available at coldclassicsaz.com and at zia records right now they're going fast 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 um as always you can check out the archive of our shows at our website at cultfollowing.co we'll eventually get some cool content up there besides just our episodes um you can also subscribe to us on itunes at cult following if you already subscribed leave us a review it helps us get higher up in the itunes rankings and helps us become more popular so give us a rating give us a subscribe we're also on soundcloud at cult following so until our next edition i am victor marino along with adam rakowski (laughs) and kirby nelson so until next time don't eat after midnight and stay dry fellas and ladies Exterminate! Exterminate!